Thanks for joining us today. We are walking by faith and we use the truth of God's word to change lives all around the world. In 2017, we're excited to announce some new changes. We're still the same show, but with a fresh new look, a new logo, a new feel online, as well as a brand new app. Now, wherever you go, you can take Walking by Faith with you. Many of us know that we can learn what not to do from watching other people make mistakes. In Pastor Dwayne's message, God of Another Chance, we're going to take a look at Jonah and the mistakes he made in his life in the grace of God. Glad you're here. Got a great message for you entitled, The God of Another Chance. And I want to start in Hebrews chapter 12, but Hebrews 11 comes before Hebrews chapter 12. How many knew that? You are Bible scholars. There's no question. Right? Now, in Hebrews 11, it's called sometimes the chapter of God's heroes, the heroes of faith. It talks about all these great men and women of faith. It talks about Moses. It talks about Joshua. It talks about Noah. It talks about Gideon. It talks about different men and women who do great things by faith. And then in chapter 12, it says, therefore. Now, whenever you find a therefore in the Bible, you need to find out what it's there for. That's right. Bible scholars, every one of you, theologians. All right. So what is it there for? It's there because it's telling us connecting it back to Hebrews 11. Therefore, we also, just like them, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. What it's saying is all these people in Hebrews 11, they're like looking over the banisters of heaven and they're watching you and me. All right. It says because of that, he said, we should lay aside every weight, the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that, sets before, that is set before us. So we're running the Christian race, and we've got men and women of God up in heaven, and they're like watching, and they're going, go, go, go. You need to do that. They're, they're shouting. You're giving you, how many of you have been to a game where there's a person next to you is telling the players and the ref what they need to do? All right. Well, that's what it's like up in heaven. They're shouting down. They're saying, hey, you over there, do this. Go faster. Go harder. Believe God. Rebuke the devil. Get going. Right? They're letting you, they're, they're watching. All right. So we've got Abraham and we've got Abel and Joshua and Moses and Noah, all of these great men and women. They're watching us run our laps and they're going, come on, go for it. Right? So what I want to do today is call one of the great men and women out and look at some lessons we can learn from them. Right? Now, I want to take somebody who blew it a lot. Uh, I want to talk to you about Jonah. Now, Jonah is actually known for his bad choices. Right? He messes up a lot. But, but how many of you know you can learn something from people that mess up? You can learn what not to do. Right? I think Jonah's saying, hey, don't do what I did. All right. Now, in 1 Corinthians 10, it says this. Now, all these things, it says, happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition on whom the ends of the world have come. This week, twice, I had people come up to me, and they're talking about what's going on in the world and the terrorism and all the crazy stuff. And they say, this is the end of the world. These are the last days. I think they're right. 
right? Now notice, it says here that all this stuff that happened, it happened for those on whom the end of the age have come. I believe it's talking about us, and it says they're written for our admonition. And again, the word admonition there, if you look it up in the Greek, it, it literally means to slap your face. Right? So when you read the Bible, it ought to slap you. Wake you up. Say, straighten up. If you do what they did, you're going to get what they got. You're going to get the mess that they, had, that they, that they got into. All right, so Jonah, we can identify with bad choices because he's not the only. How many of you have made a bad choice or two? And uh, we're going to take a look at this man, Jonah. Look what he did. Look what not to do. But also take a look at God's grace. That when we mess up and make bad decisions, God is right there waiting to reach out, to grab hold of us, and literally to rescue us. It's in Hebrews 4 and verse 1. Translators New Testament says, the one thing that we should fear is that anybody thinks they missed their chance, that they have gone so far, done so much, that the grace of God cannot reach them. But the truth is that where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Jonah chapter 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, said, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Jonah rose to flee to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship going to Tarsus. He paid the fare. He went down into it to go with them to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. So God says go to Nineveh, which would be in northern Iraq today. It's the capital of the Syrian empire. The Syrians were like a plague on the earth. Uh, they, they were ISIS on steroids. They were cruel. They had no compassion. They went around. They were beheading people, raping, plundering, pagans. And Jonah despised them. He had no compassion for them whatsoever. He considered them, like in the days of Ronald Reagan, the evil empire. Right? They were Israel's number one enemy. Their number one fear was the Assyrians. Right? But how many of you realize that God likes people you don't like? He likes messed up people. He likes people that mistreat you. Right? Your enemies are not God's enemies. And God loves these people. And, and God wants to reach these people. In fact, the Bible says that God's will is that all men repent and come to the knowledge of the truth. So God speaks to Jonah and said, go. I want you to preach to them. But instead of going towards Nineveh, he takes off in the exact opposite direction. He takes off for Tarsus, which scholars believe is on the coast of Spain. Right? Now, God wants him to go northeast. So what does he do? He goes southwest. He takes off in the exact opposite direction. So he's fleeing. He's going down to Tarsus. He's trying to get away from God. But the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. There was a mighty tempest on the sea, and the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God. They threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down to the lowest parts of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. Now, you may not realize this, but every decision that you make costs something. The Bible said that he paid the fare. Right? And when we make a decision, there is a cost to that decision. And the cost of this decision, well, first of all, they're, they're throwing the entire cargo of the ship overboard. 
And these mariners, they are fighting for their life. And you might have that idea, well, what I do is my business and it doesn't affect anybody else. That is crazy. That whole thought, I'm a rock, I'm an island. What I do doesn't affect me. Listen, the Bible says I call heaven and earth together against you to witness against you today that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you and your descendants may live. What you do does not just affect you. What you do affects the people that are around you. They, it affects your family. And Noah's decision is affecting these sailors. He's going down to the lowest parts of the, the, the ship. He's laid down, and the Bible says he is fast asleep. Now, these guys are working their tail off. They're doing everything that they can to stay alive, and Jonah is asleep. It reminds me of, of a, a lot of people. You're, you, you are trying to save some people. You're trying to help them. You're doing everything that you possibly can, and they could care less. But listen, every decision that you and I make, it carries an impact. The decisions that you make, you make those decisions, but those decisions are making you. And every decision, it brings us closer to God or it takes us farther away from God. You know, the Bible says you draw near to God and God will draw near to you. Just, just like in the prodigal son, the father sees that son coming back a long way off. And the Bible says he gets up and he runs to that son, throws his arm around, arms around him, welcomes him, says, hey, kill the fatted calf, get a new robe, put sandals on his feet, put a ring on his finger. He is receiving him. That's what God is, is doing for each and every one of us. So the storm comes and there is crisis. And finally, Jonah is awake. And this is, this key. He, the first thing that he does is he takes responsibility. He takes responsibility. He says, my bad. He said, the reason that this storm has come is because I am running away from God. And the men are like, well, what do we need to do? And he says, pick me up and throw me into the sea. And when you do, the storm will cease and there'll be a calm. There'll be, and he says, I know this has happened because of me. So he takes responsibility. He admits what he did. Proverbs 28, the man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. I'm telling you, God is the God of another chance, another opportunity. The, the, the uh, great basketball coach, John Wooden, said, you're not a failure until you start blaming others for your mistakes. The Bible says if you won't admit them, You'll never be a success. So they literally, they pick up Jonah and they throw him overboard. Now, that is definitely a crisis when you're in the middle of a, of a hurricane and you get thrown overboard. Now, here's what I want you to catch here. The Bible says that God has prepared a great fish. When Jonah was thrown overboard, it was not a surprise to God. God knew that was going to happen. And whatever your situation is, you and I look at that situation and we are surprised. But God is not surprised. God knew ahead of time. In fact, the Bible refers to that as God's foreknowledge. It's in Romans 8, verse 29. It says, whom he foreknew. Now, what that means is this, that God is not like you and God is not like me. We are, we, 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 we are limited by time. We're finite beings. 
But God is not. God created time. And what God is not limited. So what God does is he goes ahead and he looks at tomorrow and, and he looks at the day after tomorrow and he looks ahead a year from now and 20 years from now and 50 years from now and God knows exactly what is going to happen. And because God can do that, you know what God does? He is never surprised. Never. And he always prepares ahead of time. He prepares ahead. When, when Abraham took his son, Isaac, up on the mountain to sacrifice his son, he has Isaac on the altar. He's got that, that Arabian twisted knife. He's got that knife lifted, ready to kill his son. And God says, stop. He said, now I know that you love me more than anything. And the Bible says he lifted up his eyes just a short distance away. There, caught in a thicket, was a ram. That ram was the sacrifice. And of course, you know what he did. He said, Jehovah Jireh. And we say the Lord will provide. But what it literally means, the God who looks ahead and provides. That's what it literally means. He literally said, God looks ahead. He sees every problem, every situation, everything I'm going to face. And God has already provided the answer. I don't know about you, but that's comforting to me. That's good news. That is good news. No matter what we're facing, it's not a surprise to God. You're surprised he's not. And he has prepared ahead of time. When Esther was queen, Haman, the evil man, is trying to kill all the Jews. And someone comes to Esther and says, you need to stand up. You're a Jew. You need to stand up. Nobody knows, but you're a Jew. You're the queen. You need to stand up. And it says, for if you remain completely silent at this time, Relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. You know, God had another plan and another plan. God, God, God is never taken by surprise. And God always has a plan. That's why the Bible said that he always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus. So they throw Jonah overboard. But God knew it was going to happen. So he prepared ahead of time. And by the way, when we make a de bad decision, God is waiting at our point of crisis to rescue us. Right? God loves you that much. There is nothing you can do to make God love you any less and nothing you can do to make him love you any more. He is love. He loves you and he is waiting at that point of crisis. Right? So Jesus, well, the Bible says that God prepared a great fish and that fish came up and swallowed Jonah. Some people say, I don't believe that a fish could have swallowed Jonah. Listen, I have no trouble believing that there's a big fish big enough to swallow somebody, right? But Jesus said this. Jesus said, like Jonah was three days and three nights in the fish, so the Son of Man will be three days, three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus believed that Jonah was swallowed by a big fish. Anyway. All right, so, so Jonah is in the fish. And while he's in the fish, he starts to pray. I don't know about you, but I'd have been praying during a storm. But he waits till he is in the fish, all right? And he says, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. This is what he's saying. He's saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I was running. God, if you will get me out of this mess. 
I will go to Nineveh and I will preach to the Ninevites. He's saying, God, I'm going to do it. Now, let me just talk to you just a minute about repentance because most of us don't get it. Most Christians today think that repentance means I'm sorry. I just want to tell you that that's not it. I remember praying and saying, God, I'm, I, I just repent. I'm so sorry. God, I repent. I repent. I'm so sorry. And God said to me, no, you're not. He said, you are sorry that I don't like your sin because you like it. Now, repentance is not I'm sorry. Right? Sorry is an emotion. Repentance is not an emotion. Repentance means this, to have a change of mind and that the result is you change direction or you change your actions. If you don't change what you're doing, you have not repented. We think that repentance is I'm sorry and I'm sorry that you don't like what I'm doing because I like it. But that's not repentance. Repentance is I'm going in this direction and I change my mind and I turn around and I start to go in this direction. That is repentance, right? I'm sorry that you don't like it is not repentance. So Jonah says, God, I repent. He gets, the fish literally goes to shore, right next to shore, and vomits him up. I think, I think that fish had indigestion. He's like, I'm not letting any other fish swallow this guy. Because this guy tastes really, really bad, right? So he gets out and takes off, and he begins to go Towards Nineveh. In fact, the Bible says the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach the message I tell you. Now notice he's been running away from God. When he comes back to God, what God does is he tells him the exact same thing he told him before. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God still loves you. His calling is still on you. God wants to use you, wants to bless you, wants to forgive you. He wants his grace and his favor to be on you. And when you come back, God just starts right where you left off. Jonah rose, went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey across. So he goes and he begins to preach. And you know the story, the people listen. They turn to God. And God, in his mercy, forgives. Many years ago, there was a man sailing. He was sailing from the coast, the west coast of Africa to the Caribbean islands. He had a cargo in the hull of his ship. It was a cargo of slaves. And he could hear their groanings, their crying. On a normal crossage, as many as a third of the slaves would die. But on this particular crossing, one night, there was a tremendous, tremendous storm. This man named John, he had a praying mother back in England. She was praying for him. And he realized, as that storm got worse and worse, that he was going to die that night. And he realized he was going to face the judgment of God. And his mother's at home praying that he's going to abandon the wickedness the slave trade that he's in, that he's been consumed by greed, that he's made bad choice after bad choice after bad choice. And as he's about to die in that storm that night, in desperation, he cries out to God. 
And he said, have mercy on me. I am a terrible man. And as he's crying out to God, God heard those cries. He had heard the groans of those men and those women in the hull of that ship who also believed they were going to die that night. But God heard that man. And God reached down, saved him, and forgave him. His name was John Newton. He wrote a song which has become the, the most popular song in Christianity. The name of that song is Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Now, he didn't just say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you don't like what I'm doing because it's making me rich. Now, he repented. He had a change of mind. He had been involved in the slave trade and become very wealthy doing so. But he had a change of mind, and he, he turned around and began to go in a different direction. He dedicated the rest of his life to ending the slave trade. He worked with Wilberforce to politically end the slave trade. He worked with Hannah Moore to socially and culturally end the slave trade. He motivated John Wesley, who preached against the slave trade. He didn't just say, I was sorry. He had a change of mind and began to go in a totally different direction. If John, excuse me, if God can forgive John Newton of all the things that he did, because he hadn't gone too far, you haven't gone too far. The lie of the devil is that you have gone too far. You have done too much. Don't let your bad choices define you. You need to let who Jesus makes you be define you. And if any man or any woman is in Christ Jesus, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Bad choices did not disqualify Jonah from God's grace. Bad choices did not disqualify John Newton from God's grace. A bad choice did not disqualify Peter from God's grace. A bad choice did not disqualify David when he committed adultery and murder from God's grace. And nothing you've done, no place you have ever been has disqualified you. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And just like that prodigal, the prodigal's father waiting to see his son a great distance down the road, God is waiting for you. I have a testimony video. We'd like you to take a look at a story of redemption. Our son Foster, from the time he was 10 months old to the time he was five years old, every day of his life, he was riddled with seizures. When he was five years old, he was able to have uh, brain surgery and from that surgery became seizure free. And I think when all of these crises were happening, we were definitely out of orbit with each other. We managed the crisis, but what was left in our wake was a distance and a separation that was growing between us. And in the absence of a crisis, temptation came in. My career opportunities for advancement and promotion came, and with it came greater responsibility and more time away from home. I started to find a friendship in another uh, woman. We had an affair and was trying to feed and recover the love that I didn't feel like I was getting from Kim. The announcement of being separated was a shock to me. I think that Eric had kind of 
emotionally divorced me before he even came to me and said that we wanted to separate just because he had been dealing with all these emotions and I wasn't privy to those emotions until the announcement. I came to Res largely because I was looking for a place where I could be and learn and grow about God without having to face uh, what it was that I was leaving. I was looking for a place to hide. I think it's exactly where God wanted me because it was here for the first time that I began to learn about God in that format and the praise and worship slowly started to break down uh, the walls that uh, had built up around my heart and around our relationship. And so our divorce was nearly finalized. Papers just needed to be signed. And in a private time driving from one side of the state to the other, I was heavily in prayer. He asked me, do you want all of me? I said yes. So he said, go home. And so I did go home. We started working on our relationship together and that's what brought Kim to Res. That was the first time that I really realized that I kind of had things a little bit backwards. I went to God when I needed something or when I wanted him to fix something, but there wasn't truly a relationship there with him. And I found at this church that I could actually have him be my friend. Um, he was my father. As we thought about our 20th year, having gone through the process of reconciliation and approach our 20-year wedding anniversary, uh, we felt compelled to uh, mark the occasion. And we decided to commemorate that with uh, a vow renewal. It not only signified a big wedding milestone, but it also signified that we are renewed. We learned throughout the process of reconciling that love is a choice and with God's help we made that choice and having him a part of our marriage has been an integral part in making this work. You know, if you've been watching today and in your heart, you're saying, I need to get back to God. I need to get right with God. You know, sometimes the devil tells us, you've gone too far, you've done too much, but it is a lie. Just like that prodigal son, his father saw him a long way off and ran to meet him. God is looking for you. And as you move towards him, the Bible says he will draw near to you. If you say, I want to be forgiven, I want to be right with God, I want to get back to God, would you bow your head, pray this prayer, this simple prayer from your heart, to say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. And I receive him as my king, as my savior, as my Lord. I'm going to live for him every day. I thank you for forgiving me, for making me a part of your family. On my way to heaven, in Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, we'd love to get you a copy of his book, Your New Life. He wrote this book to help you continue on your journey to take the next steps in your walk with God. You can go to walkingbyfaith.tv and download it absolutely free. While online, you can purchase a copy of today's message in the WBF store. If this ministry is feeding you and blessing you spiritually, please consider becoming a partner with us. You can go to walkingbyfaith.tv give and click on the giving option that's right for you. If you have a story like the one on today's show, we'd love to hear how God is using Walking by Faith to change your life. To share your story with us, send it to your story at walkingbyfaith.tv. We believe that God acts powerfully when we come to Him in prayer.
Give us a call if you have anything you'd like us to pray with you for. You can submit a prayer request through the app or online. You can chat with one of our prayer partners. Until next time, be blessed. Thank you for watching Walking by Faith. Walking by Faith is made possible in part by the generous gifts of our viewers. If you'd like to become a partner with us in using the truth of God's Word to change lives around the world, please contact us online at walkingbyfaith.tv or at Walking by Faith 5120 Ivan Rest Avenue, Southwest Granville, Michigan 49418.